The Lord be with you. Lift, your, lift up your hearts. It is a great joy on this August morning to welcome you to Marsh Chapel, whether you are here in person, listening live over the radio at 90.9 WBUR, or over internet signals at WBUR.org, or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. It is a special joy to greet you this morning as we continue our annual Summer Preacher Series, and so too to welcome to the pulpit once again our final preacher, the Reverend Dr. Robin Olson, Spiritual Life Coordinator at the Boston University School of Theology. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, sends his greetings as he is away in these summer months, and we look forward to his return next week. Now let us stand as we are able in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As we turn our hearts to confession, hear these words of Howard Thurman. Lord, open unto me. Open unto me light for my darkness. Open unto me courage for my fear. Open unto me hope for my despair. Open unto me peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confession. Open unto me forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me love for my hates. Open unto me thyself for myself. Lord, Lord, open unto me. Let us confess our sins in silent prayer during the singing of the Kyrie.
If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, but I blessed him and made him many. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. I will bring near my deliverance swiftly. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will rule the peoples. The coastlands wait for me, and for my arm they hope. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and those who live on it will die like gnats. But my salvation will be forever, and my deliverance will never be ended. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 138 with the Antiphon. O Lord, with my whole heart, before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he preserves from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Now rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers, 
such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts prove acceptable in thy sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I started a new job in January of this year as spiritual life coordinator next door at our own Boston University School of Theology. My family and I relocated from Rochester, New York. Rochester, land of open spaces, inexpensive real estate, and easy transportation. A little bit different from Boston. As part of a United Methodist clergy couple, my husband and I have moved five times in our adult lives, but for many reasons, this particular move proved to be the hardest one for our family, even though it did fulfill many of our dreams. Now, generally, I like to present myself to the world as a competent professional, someone who can handle life's necessary border crossings. Except for one not-so-fine day in May. I was traveling to Indianapolis uh, for the school to present with a school theology delegation at a fancy Lilly Endowment event called Sustaining Pastoral Excellence. Now, I hadn't flown out of Logan before, but hey, MapQuest indicated it wasn't really that far from my home. So I got in my car on that commuter morning and promptly encountered bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. I overshot the exit for the Mass Pike, and I had to make a time-costly reversal of fortune. I arrived at the airport much later than was prudent. And of course, there was no parking. So like a hungry shark, I circumnavigated the parking lot looking for parking spot bait. I got a bite, I ditched the car, and I sprinted to my terminal. I did that postmodern ritual, and I undressed with complete strangers, <laughs> removing my belt and my shoes and my jacket, <laughs> as we silently processed through security. I made it to my gate, I sat down, and I exhaled for the first time that day. And then I heard an announcement. Reminder, the gate for the Indianapolis flight has been changed. And this new number was some 40 digits higher than my present location. So I got up and I ran out to seek and find. When I came to a crossroads at Logan, I took two steps left, and then I realized I think I should be going right. So I spun around right into the presence of a TSA agent. And he informed me that my fancy little two-step had banished me from the secure area, and I must exit and go through security all over again. My exhale turned into an audible groan. I, I was in trouble. 
I begged mercy of a random human being who crossed my path. She wore a uniform with my airline's brand on it, and I asked her to help me. And she said, let me help you, follow me. And she escorted me to the front of the security line. She gave her buddy this knowing, <laughs> this one needs a lot of help kind of look. And I stripped off my belt again, and I crossed over. I made it to the correct gate. <laughs> but you should have seen me sprinting down, clutching in this arm my little carry-on with the broken handle, clutching it here in this hand, belt grasped, flailing wildly in the commuter wind. In the vernacular of the millennial generation, let me tell you, I was one hot mess. <laughs> now this may seem like an unlikely confession from this dignified pulpit here at Marsh Chapel, but this pulpit stands at the geographical and spiritual center of this fine university, and this is a place of truth-telling. And the truth is that to each of us there comes a time for hot messness and a time for chill relaxing. It has been my passion to serve as a college chaplain for the past several years. I like to think of myself like that airline friend, one of those random human beings called by God, branded with the mark of ministry, standing at the crossroads of campus life and meeting students exactly where they are and then inviting them to cross over into abundant life in Jesus Christ. And then comes the really fun part, to help equip them to fly out into the world in vocation, bearing the fruit of this joyous life. Very soon, our students return to our campuses all across Boston and beyond breathing their enthusiastic, energetic life back into the ivy-covered bricks and mortar of higher education. Before the mad dash of September, let's linger a while and chart a ministry course so that our outreach might bear fruit. Our gospel lesson this morning from John speaks of a beautiful foundation for campus ministry. Jesus says that he is the vine, that God is the vine grower, and that we are all meant to be the branches. We are called simply to abide, to dwell, to chill, to hang out and grow in Christ's love, to live in this lush vineyard of interconnection with the divine and with community. What might this weaving of growing green vines and branches look like on our campuses? How are we rooting new seedlings? What might we need to prune? How are we bearing fruit? First, it occurs to me that every college student has been uprooted from his or her grounding at home. And while student dislocation is intentional, fulfilling many a family dream, we also know that it is just plain hard to move. 
And crossing into new worlds requires the company of friends. So from first to last and everything in between, let our campus ministries be places of hospitality. Sharon Parks Delos writes about the vulnerability of emerging adulthood. She writes about the dissolution of childhood forms of identity and meaning and the construction of new understandings of God, self, and the world. And she encourages us to create mentoring communities, places that are hospitable to college students' big questions and worthy dreams. We are immersed in a culture that reveres achievement and production. Let us choose instead to root ourselves in safe spaces where we can practice the sacrament of failure, where it is okay to be a mess if you happen to be a mess, where you find friends and mentors who love you into becoming more than you ever thought you could become, where the mantra is not, it's all about me, but the ethos is, it's all about to abiding together in the love of Christ. I previously served as Protestant chaplain to undergrads at Nazareth College in Rochester. In my first year, I had gotten to know Abby, a junior whose mother and father are Presbyterian pastors. Abby was a firecracker effective leader. Five foot tall to my six foot, she was a force to be reckoned with. One day, I remember Abby coming into my office, dragging in a student by the elbow. She said, this is Sam, she needs to meet you. What I learned later was that Sam was a freshman, a first-generation college student who was struggling to find her way on campus. What I learned later was that Sam's personal circumstances were some of the most heartbreaking and challenging of any of it I have ever known. But what I learned in that moment was that Sam did not want to meet me. She kicked the carpet a few times and stared down at the floor. She said, I'm not going to lie. I don't believe in God, and I think it's all pretty stupid. Oh, OK. That's fine, Sam. But let me ask you this, I replied. Do you have all the friends you need? I mean, would you like to meet some really fun and kind people? And what's your favorite cookie? Well, that got her attention. And she looked up at me, and she said, double stuffed Oreos. They don't have them in the dining hall. OK, then. So let me invite you to our Sunday night Protestant worship service in the chapel. Participate or not, whatever you want, that's fine. But I promise you, you will meet good friends. And I promise you, we will have double stuff Oreo cookies at our fellowship time. Well, Sam came. She was embraced by friends. And she took extra Oreos back to her dorm room. And she kept coming. And she discovered that in our community, she found people who accepted her and honored her. And she found a place where she could give her gifts and even develop her gifts. She was invited to be at home in this vineyard of divine love. 
By her senior year, Sam had broken every school record for community service. I used to tease her that I was getting kind of tired of going to yet another awards ceremony for her achievements in community service. By her senior year, she and I had read just about half of the Bible together, diving deep with questions and devotion. Sam is in seminary now, preparing for a life of witness within a church so stupid that it would include the likes of her. Inscribed in stone over the entrance to the sanctuary, right there in the narthex, is a quote by Daniel L. Marsh, Methodist minister, former president of Boston University. It's a great quote. You'll have to look at it, at it on your way out, but listen to this. Let this chapel at the center of the university campus signify forever the centrality both of intellectual and experimental religion in education and also of devotion to God's righteous rule in human lives. Intellectual and experimental religion. Thank you, President Marsh. Let's be experimental along with our intellectual pursuits of religion. A few years ago, I chose this scripture, John 15, for a fall worship series. I gathered student leaders on campus before classes started for our planning retreat. I gave each student a small potted plat containing potted, a small potted plant containing a snippet of Ivis English ivy. I was very proud of these little pots. I had potted them myself using clippings from the college library wall. I wanted to connect our desire to grow intellectually and our desire to grow spiritually. I had consulted Dr. Brown, botanist extraordinaire on our biology department because no one had ever accused me of having a green thumb. So I asked for precise directions on how to root this new ivy. She said, Robin, you just cut it, stick it in dirt, and water it. Okay, I told my students, maybe abiding in the love of Christ doesn't need to be overanalyzed. It's doable. We can dwell in this web of love. So on our little retreat, we explored what it meant for us to abide in God's love in our particular academic year. What practices do we need to cultivate? Are there attitudes or activities we need to prune so we can be more effective? Are we having fun? Is our joy increasing? Who are we inviting to root along with us in this garden? What fruit do we hope to bear? And so we made our individual lists and we made our collective list for what we hope to be envisioned for the year. And then I gave the students an assignment for the week. I wanted them to pay attention to all the places that Ivy grew on campus. And each time they saw it, to simply meditate, abide in me, abide in me. Let the scripture take root in you. And by the way, yes, could you bring back a little bit of ivy that we'll put on our altar for our first Welcome Back Sunday in the fall? Well, God bless them. 
they took that assignment to heart. And they came to the chapel that first Sunday night and they pulled bounty upon bounty from their backpacks. Vine after vine came out of their backpacks and they covered the altar. Some of these vines were eight feet long and some of them were six inches. Apparently they discovered a great source of ivy growing around the office windows of the director of campus safety. So they went on a middle-of-the-night pruning raid outside of his office, and of course they documented this, and they even created a Facebook page called Late Night Abiding on Campus. James Fowler identifies the college years as the transition from conventional faith to reflective faith, a journey from a faith of one's parents to an owned, personally claimed and constructed faith. My students' experimentation launched them into reflective faith. Months later, one of the students texted me a picture of her potted plant. It was brown and withering. She had neglected it. And she wrote in her text, oh no, I get it. I need to tend my soul. Last week, she texted me a new photo of a much larger, thriving plant. We spoke on the phone, and she said that since she was transferring to a new college in a new state, she felt it was time for her to transfer her plant to a larger pot. And she said, this one even has its own trellis. It's going so well. We spoke about God's traveling mercies and how the indwelling Christ means that wherever we are, we are at home. Late August, it's a good time to think about pruning. In our abiding, mentoring communities of campus ministries, we are called to be mentors calling to accountability, to gracious pruning, to prune away bad habits or attitudes that don't serve us well, to trim away where we are overextended and overwhelmed. I think we need to prune away some of the noise of the world. Too much noise is a weedy infiltrator that wraps around our necks and chokes us. Henry Nouwen said that without silence, the word of God cannot bear fruit. A student sat in my office complaining of fatigue. I just can't sleep well. Every time I get an email, my computer beeps and it wakes me up. And my computer is right beside my pillow. I offered what I thought was a pretty obvious solution. Why don't you just turn your computer off when you go to bed? She looked at me like that was the craziest, most naive suggestion she would ever hear. We live in an overstimulated, 24-7 saturated media world. How are we to hear the voice of God calling us in the deep of the night? Let's carve out space for silence. Let's experience the power of pause. 
Let's go on retreat with benedicting communities and enter into the rhythm of scripture and silence. Let's sit in a circle in a holy place late at night with the lights out and the candles on and listen together. Let's teach meditation and breath prayers and gaze lovingly at icons and be together in stillness. Finally, let's be communities of vocation to discover by intellect and experiment what we have to offer to this big world of ours. Some of our experiments won't work, but since we practice the sacrament of failure, we can see God at work among us. We can learn and grow. I like to think of vocation as our enthusiasm. The etymology of the word enthusiasm comes from the Greek entheos, with God. Where you are enthusiastic, you are with God. Follow that enthusiasm and see that it just might lead you to a place of service and joy and vocation. Let's mentor students as they lead new initiatives in campus ministries. Let's let go a bit and let God bless students with imagination for the late night Facebook ministries they will invent. Jesus invites us to abide in the lush, beautiful vineyard. And why is that? And here is the best verse in this passage, one of the best verses in the New Testament. The reason we are called to abide in the love of Christ is that so Christ's joy will be in us and our joy will be complete. September's coming, friends. Let's go clip some ivy and plant it in new places. Amen. We come to the time in our service when we join our hearts and minds in prayer. I would invite you to remain seated or stand or kneel or come to the communion rail according to, to your tradition as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord.
With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, for the loving kindness of God, and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our dean and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the president of Boston University and all of our leaders, for the leaders of nations and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this campus, for the city of Boston, for every city and community, and for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the good earth which God has given us, and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and suffering, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have died in the hope of resurrection, and for all the departed, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may end our lives in faith and hope without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again this morning here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, and I hope you would take a moment to let us know that you are here so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the week by putting your name in the red pad found along the center aisle of each pew. And if you could pass that pad along to your neighbors so that they may let us know that they are here as well, we would be most appreciative. Now for a special announcement, we turn to our director of music, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to greet you and to be back here worshiping with you in the nave of Marsh Chapel. The voice of Marsh Chapel in our community reaches across the globe, as you know, from the internet and our audiences and our congregations spread far and wide. But throughout the summer, our community is scattered, doing lots of great things. And I wanted to send particular greetings to a handful of people this morning. We send greetings to the Reverend Wayne Martin, Big Sur, California, who's a distinguished alum of the School of Theology next door, uh, who has a wonderful career in ministry in Northern California. We send greetings to Bill and Phyllis Van Brugg of Charlotte, North Carolina, who listen each week over the internet. We welcome back Professor Dr. Ann Howard Jones to the nave of Marsh Chapel from a summer at Tanglewood where she is changing young lives over six, week, uh, six weeks of residence there. Welcome back, Dr. Jones. We welcome to the choir this morning from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Cole Bloom, who is the assistant conductor of the Youth Choral Academy at the Oregon Bach Festival. Welcome, Cole. Glad you're singing this morning. And we send particular blessings and love to Gary and Susan Jarrett of Tampa, Florida, who celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary tomorrow. They are also my parents. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, we welcome back to the chancel Ms. Teresa Wakeham. Many of you will recall Tess was a choral scholar here from 2005 until 2009. This week, later this week, Tess will make her debut with the Cleveland Orchestra singing Mendelssohn's Hear My Prayer. We're so delighted to welcome her back this morning and to get a preview of what we are certain will be a wonderful performance next week in Ohio. Ohio, welcome Tess, we're glad you're here. We hope that you will all keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, for all of our upcoming services and activities, especially as we are headed into the academic term this fall. And also there you will find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
in whom we live and move and have our being. We offer back to you these our gifts of money, symbol of our time, resources, life energy, and devotion. Bless and multiply them, we pray, that the giving may become receiving, and that the receiving may become giving. In the name and mission of Jesus Christ, and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. benediction from the words of Howard Thurman. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And now go from this place abiding in the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>